Welcome to the Global Nurse Podcast, the show where Filipino nurses from all over the world get to share their stories. Have you ever wondered what it's like to pursue a nursing career while being away from the motherland? Well, tune in as we highlight the inspiring journeys of Filipino nurses as they share their challenges and triumphs of living and working abroad. I am your host, Kathy K. Retardo. In today's episode, our topic is the Philippine Nurses Association of America, or also known as PNAA. This is the largest membership organization for Filipino-American nurses in the U.S. We will be talking to Emily Danuco, the current PNAA membership chairperson. Emily will be sharing with us her immigration story and how she is giving back to the nursing profession through PNAA. Welcome to the show. And so as we're getting started, I just wanted to know a little bit more about you. So would you like to share um, something about your migration story here in the Philipp- and in the U.S.? And if you could just tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you, Kathy. And thank you so much for inviting me to join your podcast and highlighting PNA and talking about uh, how my story uh, relates to that. So my name is Emily uh, Danuco. I grew up in uh, Bukidnon, Philippines. I went to um, a nursing school in uh, Far Eastern University. I graduated in 95. Uh, I graduated in April and immigrated to the United States in May of 1995. So I'm not, I was not a licensed nurse yet when I came. I just graduated from nursing school. Um, my immigration was through my father uh he was a veteran from world war ii and it took 50 years for them to get the citizenship and in 94 that's when they were given the uh, naturalization for the world war ii veterans from the philippines so he was able to petition me and uh that's how i got here in 95. so it was the entire family that moved in 95 or your dad came here first my dad came here first and he was you know already uh, you know, having some medical issues at the time. So he only stayed for a few months here. He just came to bring me, basically. Uh, so when I arrived in May, I think he went back to the Philippines in August. And so he didn't bring the whole family because I think he was able to petition only um, uh, somebody below 21. Oh, okay. Yeah, so... Oh, yes. So I think just to give other uh, listeners some information, especially if they haven't been familiar to the education of nursing in the Philippines in the past, we basically start freshman year at 16 and graduate around 2021. So you were really, you know, your dad petitioned you because you were below 21. So really a very young nurse. So, you know, at 21. Yes. I turned 21. So my visa was going to expire. I was turning 21 May 16. I arrived here May 14. So I basically, he wanted me to come before I finished, you know, because my petition was approved February of that year. And I was waiting for my graduation, but he wanted me to, he come already because he didn't want to stay here that long because it's cold here and it's lonely and you know, like I said, he had some medical issues already, but I said, I want to finish my, I want to graduate and then come. 
And that's why I waited until May because our graduation was April. And so when I arrived here, two days later, my visa was expiring when I turned 21. That's really like really cutting it close, but thankfully you were able to make it here. So were you the only one who moved or were there other family members? I was the only one because um, all of them were married and have children already and established there. So um, I was the only one single uh, and below 21. So I and that's how I was able to come. Uh, but my brother and sister did come for a visit, but they couldn't get an immigrant visa anymore. Um, I petitioned my brother, but it's been 20 something years and I haven't heard from the immigration. I know. So hopefully, you know, hopefully the, the the backlog. But then, so it's just really been you here all along since 1995. Wow, that's just that's how courageous um, Filipino nurses are. You know, the penis of just like okay, um, you know, graduating from um, the university and heading all the way here. So, um, when you first started, did you, or, you know, how, if you could just give us like a um, brief you know, um, narration of how it was for you in the first year, you know, of taking your board exam and, you know, for your first job. Yeah, it was definitely very challenging because there was no job waiting for me here and there was no nursing agency that would help me. Uh, so especially because I was not licensed, I just graduated nursing school. So I did not have any um, skills as far as experience. So nobody was hiring at the time for new grad nurses, plus yes. I wasn't licensed. So my first job basically was working in Mrs. Fields. Uh, that was my job and I applied for, um, at the time there was quite a bit of need for caretaker for HIV patient in San Francisco. Okay. That was in 95. So I applied, so I, I, those were my job. I did a couple of jobs as a caretaker, like a live-in caretaker and also uh, working in Mrs. Fields. And it took me over a year to save up to pay for the review classes because I have to do the, okay. the review classes for NCLEX um, and then to pay for the NCLEX itself. So it took me almost, yeah. So I was licensed in 96. See, like it's just so inspiring to hear stories like this, Emily, because sometimes people would think that, oh, you got your green card, you were you immigrated to the US and it's, you know, all smooth and easy for you. But as you are even saying, you just graduated from school, you have to work those jobs, two jobs to save up enough money for your review classes and for your NCLEX exam. So that's really, you know, inspiring and the resilience to just keep going. And, you know, you didn't have any other family members here since your dad moved back to the to the Philippines right away. So uh, what are you doing now for work? So you, it's, that has been like, you know, over two decades, like, you know, another a success story here. So what how, what are you currently doing now as a nurse? I am currently working as a kidney transplant coordinator and uh, I really love it. But uh, so after I got my license, uh, it took me another year or two to get into the hospital. Uh, so my first job after my got, I got my RN license was home care because that was the really only one that would hire at the time for, you know, no experience or nurses that did not have any clinical experience. So after home care, I got into um, 
the hospital. I also worked as nursing registry. That wasn't, I, I don't think they do that now, but at the time in 97, there was quite a bit of nursing agency that would send nurses. Now they use travel nurses. But back in 97, they used travel, I mean, uh, nursing agencies to send nurses to the hospital when they're short staff. So that was my, you know, uh, first experience in clinical. So when I got into the hospital, I started working in oncology and I did oncology until 2013. So from 97 to 2013. And then that's a long time. Yeah. Yeah. And I really, I, I really like it. Uh, but my, my advice to new nurses is try to move to different areas. And that's what I, because after 2013, when I was wanting to change area or to a different unit, it was a little bit more difficult because all I had was med search and oncology. So it's a really important that you try to do a variety of units or different areas so you have more uh, you know, you're exposed more to different areas. And so after that, when I moved to transplant uh, in 2014 or 15, um, I started in liver, uh, liver transplant. And I was just lucky that the manager hired me even without liver transplant experience. But as a coordinator, uh, it was it, it's a, definitely not the same as bedside because we start we work Monday to Friday and it's nine to five and you don't, sometimes the job doesn't end at five o'clock. Yes. Um, yeah. Doctors sometimes will call you at seven o'clock at night and that position and that hospital, it was a salaried position at the time. So you, you, you get paid for the eight hours, but as a coordinator, you, like I said, sometimes you get a phone call after, after hours. So I did about five or seven years. But I wanted to just give myself five years at a time and do, move to different areas. But anyway, I, last year I moved to kidney. And that's why I promised myself that I want to learn different things. So I'm moving from different areas. Uh, so now I'm in kidney and I hope to stay there for another five years and then maybe move to heart or lung. Well, that's really, that's really good to hear that you've even at this age, you know, because, you know, as you have said, you've learned from that experience of, just staying in one unit and having this, you know, very much more of a routine. And now you've stated that at this time, I'll be moving every five years because I wanted to continue to grow. So, you know, for listeners out there that, you know, from what Emily is sharing, it's really just been a great experience for you of just moving every five years. And it, that can even be within the same hospital or the same organization, but exposing yourself into different areas. Awesome. Yeah. So my question then, other not, other question here is that could you share with us because I know that you have gotten yourself involved with PNAA so how did that all get started how did you become because now you are currently the um the membership coordinator I mean membership chairperson so how did you um get involved with the with PNAA so when I work at that hospital when I started working at the bedside when I was floated to a different unit, a one of the nurses there is a member of PNA Northern California, and she introduced me. And that was back in '97. I was young. I didn't really. I, I I heard about it. I didn't look into it. I was like, I'm too young. I don't really know what I can share, or maybe people there are all 
management or they have advanced degrees i don't have anything to contribute so that's how i felt so i didn't really join and then one year i think that was 2011 uh, my manager asked me to attend the national convention she said you know the the national convention for pna is in san francisco and we are sending because i think my company sponsored or they were one of the sponsors so they they had a a number of people that they can send so she asked me uh we need filipino nurses to attend this uh, this conference this convention so i went and it was in hyatt hotel and i was really impressed with northern california because this is a national convention they had okay. uh, and this, the host chapter is northern california which is my chapter now but at that time uh you know i was really impressed with them the way they they did the program and they were so well uh well spoken and so intelligent and the program it was a two-day event but i only attended one day actually i only attended the educational day because the second day was like a gala it's like they they have that so i was like not really wearing gown and anything so i'm like i don't have anything to wear so i'm not gonna attend that but that one day of exposure to that educational conference and seeing the chapter that was hosting the event I was, uh, you know, really impressed and learning what their chapter also uh, does for the community other than doing these educational conferences. That what uh, really prompted me to join. I, I wanted to learn more. And so I, I did attend their events before I even joined. That's how I hesitant I was. Before I even signed up, I said, I'm going to attend their events first. Oh, they do. They said they will do community service or community outreach. So I participated and volunteered at their event first before I officially became a member. I wanted to see first what they actually do. So uh, so I attended their, I think it was a first aid. Uh, uh, they were a first aid um, provider for a Pistahan event. For San Francisco, I'm sure uh, Los Angeles have those too, and we have those every year in San Francisco in August. And PNA Northern California is the provider of the first aid; they are the first aid providers. So I joined and attended, and uh, was one of their volunteers. And then since then, I became an officer. I think my first position was public relation officer, and then I became the president elect. And then I became the president of this chapter in 2020 during COVID. And then at that time as well, uh, I was uh, elected to be the Western region uh, circle of president representative. And that's how I became um, the national because you become an executive uh, executive board officer in the national if you are a west uh, you are a regional representative so that's how i got involved in the national scene as a when i joined as a circle of president representative for western region in 2020 and there's definitely a lot more uh, i didn't know uh, a lot about the national at the time i was only learning my chapter when I joined, yes. when I became the representative from the Western region to the national, I learned more of what the national is doing, how many committees they have, the kind of things they do. And I was really uh, become really passionate about doing more for uh, PNA uh, when I became um, 
you know, part of the national board because there's more things to do there. There's definitely now that I've been appointed as a membership chair, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm really glad to be representing the, uh, this chapter and this region in the national level and being uh, a part of the membership committee and in inviting our Filipino nurses to, uh, to join because there's a lot in our community that we can help with as an organization. And there's not a national organization uh, for nurses, for Filipino nurses, other than PNA. Like you mentioned, uh, you have alumni organizations and I, I do too for Far Eastern University, uh, but for for everyone to be in one group as uh, Filipino nurses, PNA is that nationally, because we have 52 chapters um, uh, in nationally. So Northern California and your chapter, Southern California is one of those. But yeah, we have other chapters nationally and we can all share best practices and you know learn from each other and grow and help our community as well we're doing a lot pna is doing a lot for our filipino nurses that are arriving right now um there's a lot of uh, problems with the immigration uh, of the newly arrived nurses and that's will be something that we can touch on a little bit more but just to give our listeners some idea so the philippine nurses Association of America have been established in 1979, and it has about 55 chapters all over the United States and have members of like more than 5,000 Filipino American members all throughout the U.S. and maybe some even outside of the, the U.S. since people may have migrated in uh, countries outside of America, but um, like you have said, Emily, that we're the only organization who's that collaborative. Like we have medicine, you know, Filipino American organization for medicine, but they don't really have a very collaborative um, organization. They have their own chapters and they do their own thing based on their the university that they graduated from, the same as engineering and all other, um, you know, um, profession. So that's what's really great about nursing is that we have that, you know, really togetherness, collaborative uh, relationship. Um, but I also wanted to, because you said that you were the president-elect in 2020. So like, wow, hats off to you because that's really an unprecedented experience of not having the in-person, um, you know, meetings and also events. So what, have, what were the things that you have to do to innovate and still continue to to show the members that you're there for them. So what were the initiatives that you you did to keep it going? So yeah, that was definitely challenging uh, being president during COVID. And I was inducted in May um, and I was inducted by Zoom. And there was no in-person, usually the this uh, induction events are uh, kind of a big event as you have seen in Southern California. I actually attended your induction, I believe. Um, your chapter's induction. Anyway, for me, there was uh, a lot of problems with um, uh, PPE at the time. So our chapter raised funds to provide um, masks. So we donated masks to local uh, facilities. I think we donated about, uh, you know, over 3,000 masks to about 19 facilities. There was also problem with um, the mask, uh, the, no, no, the face shield. So we work with the national, I think, 
PNA uh, National, they had collaborated with um, a provider in New York for donated face shields. So we were able to obtain about four, 400 uh, face shields that we distributed also to local facilities here. And so uh, those are the things uh, we did during COVID, provided masks, provided um, uh, face shield. We also reached out to our uh, nurses. We did a peer-to-peer -peer support group uh, because I know it was a lot of, you know, nurses struggling. It was very traumatic for a lot of, uh, you know, frontline uh, staff. So we did, um, you know, peer-to-peer -peer support group. Um, and uh, we did, our chapter also hosted uh, prayer because when we send out a survey, PNA sent out a survey uh, during that time about how uh, we can help our nurses. And most of their answers, I think majority of the answers about how what what they find most helpful was prayers. So we established a prayer warrior group. So our chapter has been doing a prayer warrior group. Uh, they do a rosary every night. I'm not always able to attend every night, but they still do that since they started in March of 2020. And until now, they still do the rosary every night and they pray for our frontline nurses, uh, anybody that just wants to be prayed uh, if they're struggling with something medical, mental, or uh, any other issues. Uh, yeah, they have the list of names every night that they recite the names of people that they want to, they're requested to be prayed uh, for. That's so. really impressive that they kept it going up to this time. It's been over two years. So since you've already mentioned the initiatives that you have done in your own chapter, um, could you share with us what will be, you know, three uh, benefits for being a member of, a, of PNAA? Just for those listeners who may not be aware about um, what what is it for me to, to be joining PNAA if there's, you know, a Filipino nurse out there listening, what would you tell them? So I think the biggest benefit just on my, based on my experience is definitely growth, professional growth, not just because I wanted to climb up the ladder, but I, I feel more confident. I have, was able to, um, you know, develop my leadership skills and how I did that was just not only just becoming an officer for my chapter and became international as well. PNA does provide leadership program. So they have what they call ILDP and those are, um, online training. And it's about, I think, six weeks of training. And so I did that before I became a president of a chapter. And then now really great news for this year, especially, or this, uh, this coming term, the next two years, they have so many initiatives right now, uh, because they were able to get a lot of funding. So for upcoming members, they can participate. They have a, a mentorship program, uh, right now that will be, uh, rolled out. There'll be lunch in January. And so they will identify a mentor, uh, from each region, a mentor and a mentee. And they will match them and they will go through the training, uh, I think also an eight-week course. So that was also an online program, but it will be with a mentee. So those are the kind of things that you will benefit from. For mental wellness, the, one of their task force from the national as well is the Kabalika task force. And this uh, was formed during the COVID uh, pandemic, of course, the initial 
like I said, a lot of mental uh, struggle. So a Kabalika task force was formed and one of their initiative is wellness uh, for our nurses. And right now they're launching a facilitator training and they have participants from all chapters uh, or they're encouraging participants from all chapters. So either a member or an officer can attend a facilitator's training. And these are training, uh, you know, if to facilitate a support group, for example. But that can also be for um, just for your own personal growth or if you really want to run a support group, uh, that can also um, be a benefit from that. But it's a free training. Uh, you, you do a training with a, a professional uh uh a professional uh i think she a psychiatrist or a psychologist but and and also a coach wellness coach that you will do three months of monthly training from a wellness coach to improve uh, resilience and just have uh, grow in your emotional intelligence uh those are the kind of things that the members can participate and benefit from so i think this would be a great year to join there's so many things that they are offering for members and officers yeah yes i mean i am really impressed with all the things that you have already mentioned and that i mean i'm not even aware of you're talking about mentorship you're talking about wellness with the coaching you know also mental health as being Yes. more talked about and discussed and really acknowledged as um as a, an issue that it is as important as our physical health so you know for those people that are listening out there i mean those just having those benefit as a pnaa member i think it's so worth it because there are other programs that may be offered by your organization but there's just a difference between um listening and hearing stories of a kababayan you know there's just that you know foundation understanding of like i understand you i know what you're going through as um as an immigrant of a of a big country and all the barriers that may be in place or that we have to go through so i i agree with you emily that this is a great year then to really um join the pnaa organization one of the things that I wanted you to just talk about too is that what I have seen is that when I attend this events is that we tend to not have a lot of the Gen Z or like the younger um, members. And so as a membership chairperson, how are you, um, you know, how, how are you going to address this issue to just get a more diverse uh, age for PNAA? Yeah, we're definitely trying to work with our um, regional vice president and chapters to try to engage our young members. Um, in our in my committee, um, we only have a few, um, uh, you know, younger members in my committee. Uh, so we we want their opinion and we want their input. So if they become a part of our committee, then we can understand more of what their needs are, um, and and if you know, if they uh, were more engaged and they will be able to participate and we can get their input, then we would be able to uh, provide uh, the things that they would uh, appreciate or they would uh, they would like. Um, but yeah, educational conferences are the definitely the thing that a PNA uh, we do regularly. We have national convention, we have regional conferences and um, that most of the young nurses 
they um, they get their educational uh, from work, so they don't attend those kind of events. Yes. And mm-hmm. um, but for uh, nurses that are also retired, uh, which uh, a lot of our members are also retired nurses, they yes. don't need the educational conferences. So we have to figure out a way of what we can bring to uh, to attract our young nurses. And uh, so other than educational conferences, they enjoy uh, physical fitness. So yeah, they do. <laughs> they, we have initiatives on, on physical fitness. Uh, most chapters do 5K runs. Uh, they do events like that to kind of, um, you know, definitely uh, involve our young uh, uh, nurses that would be more in, inclined to do those kind of things. Um, but yeah, we, we try, uh, but we need them to be involved. So we, we will know what they need. Uh, so I hope that we can get to them, uh, soon and, and we'll be able to get more members to join that are in the younger generation. Yeah. And, um, Emily, how we even tried to go to basically even those graduating nurses, you know, to really get their input of like, what will get them to um, be involved in an organization such as PNAA. So have we tried to reach out to universities or colleges of, you know, the School of Nursing to just get an input, not necessarily uh, for them to join right away, but if this this new um, Filipino-American nurses would tell us or, you know, how have we done any surveys or have we looked into something like that? Yes, we definitely have done surveys, um, not in the national level as far as the uh, survey to students, but some chapters definitely have done that because when we have, I'll give you a great example, PNA San Diego, they have the biggest student membership. And this year, um, or last year, actually, we approved at the national level because before that, student membership was not an option, actually. So in 2021, uh, or 2022, we approve a student membership to be part of PNA. So now that is an option. We're still trying to get that into the, you know, online uh, membership form. Um, but yeah, some chapters, even before the national have accepted the student membership, some chapters like PNA San Diego, like I mentioned, they have a great uh, group of students, uh, leaders there. And that's through the university because one of their past president is a professor in one of the schools. So that's how she got uh, nursing students to join. And they have their own uh, group out of the, so the executive board, they have their own uh, board members and they had uh, created a group of, for the student to have their own uh, set of officers and and they do more uh, student projects, student related project that they can do. And so I think they have done more for their chapter because uh, they're they're very talented young uh, nurses. So they do mostly community service. They're really active in that. So I think the San Diego chapter, they did most, uh, they have done the most uh, COVID vaccination uh, and their students mm-hmm. were the one that did most of those uh, outreach through the collaboration of the city, the city of uh, San Diego. But most of their volunteers from their chapter were their student members. So those, I think the young nurses, they they like those better 
doing the community service uh, portion. That's really good that there's something that's already been done and um, the San Diego chapter is leading up that. And that can really be something that can be duplicatable in other chapters. So it's, you know, thank you for sharing that because, you know, I'm also in academia and working with um, with the state university here in Southern California. And it will just be good to start getting more input from the younger, um, you know, future nurses really because they're just about to graduate but if there will be a way for us to like what will get you guys involved and that we were always like often wondering you know it's either ones that are already have their kids in college or out of um, the house or and the ones that are retiring are the majority of the people that participate in events so I'm often like curious oh that will be a good question to ask Emily because I wonder how we can create a more diverse age group. And so it's good to know that UC San, I mean, San Diego chapter is already doing that. So thank you for that. So be, yeah, go ahead. Oh, and PNA Northern California as well. We have a lot of students uh, that attend. They're not members. Most of them are not members, but they do come and volunteer. When I mentioned about during Pistahan, when uh, our chapter is in charge of the first aid, we have a student uh, volunteers from a school that one of our uh, member is, um, he is one of the, um, I think, director there. He's a director of one of the, I think the LVN program or something, but he's our member. And so he brings the students. So sometimes we would have 40 students uh, that would come and join the parade, for example, the Pistahan parade. So we have a delegation, a Northern California delegation, uh, since we are the provider of the first aid. And most of our participants on the parade are, are nursing students from that um, Guernick University in San Mateo. So those, uh, and yeah, and they get their, you know, they get their first aid exposure and they we let them provide the first aid uh, first aid care when we have uh, patients that stop by our booth to have blood pressure checked or they had, you know, fell down and scraped their leg and things like that. So, yeah, we, we definitely have noticed that the students uh, like to do a lot of those uh, community outreach more. So we need to do more of that because that's what they're interested in. Other than the physical uh, that I mentioned, uh, you know, the physical uh, fitness that they like to do. Uh, they also enjoy uh, community outreach uh, projects. And we do, for PNA, do medical mission as well. I haven't done myself. I haven't attended any of the medical mission, but they do. So I think uh, our younger generation would like to do that as well. Uh, medical mission to the Philippines. Oh, yes. Yes, that will be really great to just get that experience and uh, have that collaboration. So before we um, we end our interview, because you have just provided us with this much uh, information about PNAA, is that how can um, members find PNAA? Because there's this big um, national chapter and, you know, how can they join that do they need, you know, if you could just give our listeners a little bit of guidance on how to become a member of a PNAA? Um, definitely, you can go to, I can put in the um, in the chat or, uh, but yeah, uh, mypnaa.org is our organization uh, website. So you go to mypnaa.com, actually not .org, .com, and you can uh, check out all our activities there. You can uh, join and you can check out the, um, you know, the different uh, chapters 
it will tell you which region. So we're divided into four regions, Eastern, uh, Northern, uh, Central, South Central, and Western. So Eastern, they have about 10 chapters there. North Central, also about 10, I believe. And South Central, which is Texas, Florida, Alabama, those area, they have about 18 chapters there. So there's a lot. Um, so when you log in to join, you can pick what region you're, you're, you're at and to choose the chapter. Um, if you, there's no chapter where you're at, you can join as member at large. So that's an option uh, to join as member at large if there's no chapter in your area. Um, but yeah, if anybody in the state or city that don't have a chapter, you're more than welcome to form your own chapter. If you can get 30 members together, you can form a chapter and apply as a chapter of PNAA. Uh, and sometimes if you have less than that, you have 20, then you can become a sub-chapter. But a sub-chapter, you need to have a chapter nearby you and you can become their sub-chapter. Just like Southern California, you guys have a sub-chapter, which is West LA. Yes, we do. Yes. And so, um, Emily, do they need to join? Is there a member separate membership for the national level and then the chapter? So, okay. So the national membership is $50 and different chapters, they charge different fees. So Northern California, for example, they charge $30. So it's very minimal, really, because most of the organizations, it will cost you probably $100 to $200 to become a member, I think. I was a member of the oncology uh, before, and it was quite a lot of membership fee uh, every year. But anyway, PNA is basically for my fee is eighty because it's fifty dollars for PNA and thirty dollars for the chapter. But some chapter charge less than that. For Central California, for example, which is the Fresno area, I think their chapter only charged ten dollars. Uh, so it's different for different chapters. I think Southern California, you guys charge forty five for your chapter. Yes. Yeah. So I think you're you're one of the chapters that charge a little bit more, um, but yeah, different chapters charge uh, different fees, but the national is only fifty. Okay, so but then with that fifty dollars, or you know, a minimal of like really between fifty to ninety dollar. I mean, yeah, ninety dollars total of being like a chapter and the national level, but with all the benefits that you have already mentioned, it makes it really worth it. Plus, these are all, you can add this as tax deductible membership as you're doing your taxes as well. So, well, I would like to appreciate and thank you so much, Emily, for all the information that you have provided us today regarding uh, PNAA. And I will also continue to reach out to you so I can get more of those detailed information regarding links and uh you know, so that the leader, the listeners can just click on those link um, and then join our PNAA. So again, thank you so much, Emily, for joining us and I'll see you around. Thank you so much, Kathy. Thank you. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Global Nurse Podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's show. Stay tuned to our next episode featuring Filipino nurses living around the world. We will also be talking to nurses working at different specialties and those nurses who decided to take a totally different path. If you are a Filipino nurse or you know a Filipino nurse who would like to be a guest on our show, you can email at theglobalnurse at gmail.com or leave a message at 657-215-9586. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to support the podcast, 
please share it with others, post about it on your social media, or leave a rating or review. Our theme music is done by our sound engineer Ryan Peralta for logistics and art cover design by Shakina Branes. Special thanks to Adam, my family, Mama, Karen, Kim, and Chris Retardo, and my friend Fab Publico. Thanks again for listening to the Global Nurse Podcast. This is your host, Kathy K. Retardo. Until next time.